All right, hey everyone. Today I'm here with sister, well I call her Ellie, but mm. sister Christiana. Mm. Um, so today she's just gonna give us some advice just on her, she'll tell a little bit about her story and we're just gonna kind of put together some of the advice that she's given me over the past, I would say year. Um, but, but yeah, sister and I have been friends for a while and she always has the right thing to say at the right time. So I was like, all right, she definitely needs to be on this podcast so that other people can hear that as well. Um, so sister, if you wanna just introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Sister Christiana Ali. I'm a Vegbe, I'm from Ghana, West Africa. And I come from a family of about five set of twins and I'm the only one who is not a twin, so. Yeah, oh wow, I didn't know that. Sense. Yeah, wow. that makes it challenging because you have siblings that can relate with each other, but you kind of single out. And so far, religious life has been bless a blessing. And I didn't actually become uh, like become a religious at a tender age. At least I was a bit advanced in age when I became a religious. That was after college. So the experience has been enriching I wouldn't lie because I had to relate my college life with the life as a religious now and you could see that I have been really really challenging myself mm. yeah and that's good just like having to wear a veil yeah which you didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like so funny mm -hmm. so sister actually told me the other day that one thing that kept her from Wanting to be on my nose because she had to wear a veil. A veil, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I never wanted a religious congregation that puts on the habit or a veil because I didn't want people to easily identify me and all. But here I am today. <laughs> and funny enough, I have joined a congregation that wears the habit and the veil all day long. You don't have a day with like wearing any casual thing or something. So mm. I'm like, oh God, you've really <laughs> dealt with me. So I'm a true example of somebody who, when she proposes, God can say, no mm. way, I have another plan for mm. you. Yeah, That's so funny. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we're going to start with the first question. Okay. What is one of the most life-changing experiences and why? Yeah the life of a religious, to become a religious today. And that has transformed my life in so many ways. And I know people who knew me back then are like, huh? <laughs> you know? You? Not, <laughs> no yeah. way. No way. <laughs> not that I, le I led a, a really bad life, you know? Well, like somehow, most of us are all no good, though, when we're growing up, we're stubborn, but... At least Grace located some of us, and it's been life-changing becoming a sister because I never imagined myself becoming a sister when I started college. Mm. Before college, I wanted to become a sister, but once I started college, I was like, okay, I would want to work hard, study right, then get a good job, take care of my younger brothers, who are twins, because they kind of, they are the only male in the family and I was so at fond of them. So I wanted to give them the whole world, even though my parents were still providing for us, but I wanted to help them out. But God said, no, the time will come when you have to become a sister, you have to impact into the life of others rather than your brothers and I'll take care of your brothers. Mm. So. It's been life-changing. Mm. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be so far away from your family for so long? Yeah, it's, um, it's taxful, let me say. I wouldn't say challenging. It's taxful because when I started college, that was the time I realized, wow, living away from home is a big task. You have to be responsible for any action you take. You don't have anyone to wake you up. 
You don't have anyone to decide what you eat. You don't have anyone to tell you study. You have to own your own life. Mom wouldn't take care of you when you're sick. The the best is to call her and tell her I'm not well and she's recommending certain actions, but she's not there to say, my daughter, how are you? Mm. Trying to cook for you and all that. Mm. So it was a task that I had to embrace from the beginning. So becoming a religious, it was as if I was continuing that life of being away from the family. But I have to acknowledge, I miss my family. Mm. (laughs) I really do. Yeah. Because, you know, the little quarrels with my siblings always makes it worthwhile when you are with others. Like, you get the difference because... You quarrel with your siblings and the next moment is like you're all eating from the same place yeah. <laughs> or teasing each other, mm-hmm. which sometimes you don't get get with mm. others. So it makes me miss my family and the advice of my mom, you know, my dad, everybody. Mm. Yeah, it's rich. So what's some advice you would give to like someone like a college student where like they... They they kind of have a hard time like owning their own life, yeah. like making those decisions and like, you know, getting up out of bed at a certain time and yeah. actually like even just showing up for class and all those things. Like, what would you say is what motivates you to like continue doing those things on your own? Or even when you feel sick, like mm-hmm. having to take care of yourself, or when you miss your family, mm-hmm. but like you obviously can't just like get up and you know go on a pl- plane yeah. like plane and go yeah. see them. So like. What, what's advice you would give, even not to that extent of, of like six years away from your family, but yeah. just a college student that is struggling being on the road? Yes. So um, I would use myself as an example. I remember the first day I went to the university, and that was the beginning of a new life where my mom took me there all right, but once she left, that was the end. Now I had to settle down, make friends, because I lived in the room of, with three others. But I, I never told myself I'm going to learn from others. From the first day, that was what I told myself. Like I, mm-hmm. I never made that decision of learning from others. So I come from a situation where my high school... You know, in Ghana, we have a system where in most high schools have a, a boarding facility. So you live on campus in the high school, senior high. Mm, yeah, you live on campus for your three-year study. So every holiday or vacation, you go home. But I never went to such a system. I went to, uh, we call it a day. So when you say day, it means you are not in the boarding facility. Mm. So you go to school in during the day and walk back home or get into a vehicle and get back home every day. So you commute to school. That's how I would say it. So that was the system I was having. So I never had the experience of being in school where people bully me and all. So college life started giving me a different perspective. The first day I had roommates, I had moments where somebody would pick up my thing without my permission and I would be like, No way. You (laughs) dare not do that. Mm -hmm. But as the days went by, I was like, no, you have to learn from others. Mm -hmm. You have to take charge of certain things. You have to control certain things. So I started waking up early to study because I felt so relaxed after some holidays. You know, you're now back into the schooling system. So I, I told myself, one, you have to be friendly. You have to be nice. Two, your parents are not here to say, wake up, sleep, do this, do that. Like how sometimes our mothers, especially, would be like, my daughter, can you cook? Can you clean? Can you do this? Can you do that? They are not here. So you have to be responsible. So I asked myself, why am I here? I'm here to study. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make myself proud. I, I didn't look at it being that I'm making someone proud. I think that was one thing that helped me. Mm. I, I envisioned who I wanted to become and what pride I wanted to 
have for myself. And I think that was what helped me. Mm. Yes. So I, I had to go through rigorous study methods to know which one best works for me. Because back home, because I was a day student, as I said earlier, my, I come back home, my mom is like, cook for the family because she comes back from work late. So I have to do the cooking. My brothers have to eat before she arrives. So it was like I was like a second mom to my brothers. And in the family, I was like a second mom. So I do most of the work. So I don't get so much time to study on my own. So I didn't really have a lot of study skills. Mm. So I had to learn the types of study skills and what time best works for me when I'm studying. So I got to know a few things. I realized at dawn, so mostly like from 4 to about 6 o'clock, is my most active time in the morning mm. for study. The rest becomes like junk. It's like I'm studying out of the blue if I study after 6 o'clock in the morning. So I used that method, implemented it for a while. And I involved myself so much in religious activities. So people were thinking I was actually going to be a sister one day. I was telling them, no way. Mm. I'm not going to be a sister. But God had his own way. So, no way. I'm not going to wear that yeah, at all. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no bill anymore. I want mm. to work hard get a good job and help my family because my fees were really high. I was mm. like, oh, my parents are paying too much, so I want to pay mm. back. Yeah. And that was it. So, in fact, I had to know why I was in the school and what I wanted to achieve at the end of the day. And I wanted to... I also told, asked my, told myself, what would you be remembered for? I think that was the climax of it all. Mm. what will I be remembered for after mm. school? And I think that pushed me. Mm. So I, I, I pushed through the, all the short cards, the long cards, whatever, I think I was there, except for entertainment. So I didn't go, they, were ha they had um, the welcoming parties for the freshmen and all that. I, I couldn't attend any because Naturally, I wasn't like that. I'm not the easy, like, outgoing person, partying here and there, visiting friends and all that. So it became a little bit challenging mm -hmm. for the four years. But I still true. So that's not to say others who go for all events cannot make it. No. But you should know what time and not to do it and what time to do it. Mm -hmm. You should just create a balance and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like those, yeah. like I kind of relate to you with, you don't really create those like study habits really yeah. until you're on your own. Yes. Because, I mean, for me, like being at home with like 10 brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. you just want to like play all day. <laughs> like I remember in high school, I, I, I mean, I also went to school like really far away from my house and then we have like soccer practice, basketball practice, mm -hmm. all this stuff. So like you're not really getting home until... Seven thirty-eight, yeah. and then you eat dinner but then you're seeing your siblings for the first time that day so you uh -huh. should like hang out and then that just reoccurs every single day so yeah. um it, it really it my study habits and not only study habits for me because i do I feel like a lot of the work i'm doing is outside of class mm -hmm. it's a lot of times with like the different activities that I'm involved yeah. in especially with like this year um more with like the pro-life work, work or anything uh -huh. like that it's but no one's telling me to do it no one's telling me what time to do it yeah, like yeah. how to get all those all the different worlds that you're involved in mm -hmm. and getting all the work done for all those different things yeah so it's it really is so good for me to to be on my own right now mm -hmm. so that I can like get that work done and then now since I'm gonna be living at home in a couple more weeks I think I need to, like, really focus on, okay, what time of day is really good for me to to get work done. Yeah. Um, and I think, for me, it's early, early in the morning because 
by three o'clock, I'm like out. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm done for the day. I need to take like a nap or just like do mm-hmm. like I don't know. Uh, but I'm very much a morning person. So, um, and RTC has really made me a morning person. But that's mm. like my favorite time of day now, mm. and that's when I get the most work done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely at home, you didn't even really have mornings to yourself because yeah. you just like you wake up, get ready for school, go to school, and mm-hmm. then you're with people all day um so i guess like kind of similar to you it's it's really good for me right now to just have so much more alone time yeah um yeah because of yeah all the different habits that you're able to work on on, but but yeah i think it's just preparing me to go back home stronger Um, than you can yeah (laughs) yeah um okay we can go to that other piece of advice you gave me the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just tell them a little bit. Yeah. The other day, <laughs> sister and I ran into each other. Um, and we were both the last people in line for sushi. And it's both of our favorite food. Mm-hmm. And she ended up getting us free sushi, which was super <laughs> awesome. And I made my day. Um, and I already had dinner, but I had like two dinners. <laughs> But then she gave me a bunch of advice on just a whole bunch of stuff. And I actually went home and write it all down in my notes. And it's just a note saying, sister's advice. And there's 12 things that I wrote down. But one that I really liked what you said was number seven. Um, there's no excuse for lack of knowledge because there's we have access to that everywhere. So if you can dive deeper into that, like what you mean... Um, yeah. And, like, just why you said that. Okay. So, um, we are almost classified as the computer age children. And we have access to emails. We have access to the internet as a whole. And we have our parents as our models most often. Some even to the extent that some don't even have large families, so our parents are able to focus more on our needs and our wants and whatever like pertains our lifestyle and everything. So, with lack of knowledge, I for one don't see why we should lack knowledge in this era. And looking at the scenario I have created, if you need a study style, just Google. Yeah. Just ask Safari. Just, Chat, what is it? Chat, yeah. Ch- yeah. ChatGPT? They are all available now. <laughs> and it's like, it's even making lecturers think, ah, we are no more studying, you know? We have knowledge everywhere. And I am not talking in relation to victims of abuse or if somebody is abusing you, no. I'm talking in relation to basic lifestyle. Certain things that could help us grow. Certain things that could help us look more mature and more ready for our own future. So we have no excuse to say, I didn't know this. We have no excuse to say, I should have known this. There are certain things you should have known, maybe growing up nobody can say i know how it feels to be an adult trust me not even our parents because they are still aging as they age they get to know but we cannot say we don't know how it feels to be a child oh that's true (laughs) yeah so looking at that you could really agree with me that we have no excuse to say I lacked the knowledge of knowing right from wrong, wrong from right. Certain things are pardonable, but not all things are pardonable. Mm. Yeah. So that's basically what I was talking. I was making mm. reference to. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and can I, and then we were also just talking about this like right before we started. But can you talk about how? The theology of the body, just like studying that and mm-hmm. the classes that you've taken on that, mm-hmm. have made a change in your life. Yeah, so theology of the body by Pope Pope Saint John Paul, 
the second it's it's a very reflective book and piece of art if i should say in fact a good work done by the saint and it's one of the reasons why he merits to be a saint because something like that literature of that nature is worth a million it really helps especially with my personal life let me say as a religious when I started formation. I remember they told us we were going for a class on theology of the body. The first thing that came to mind was, <gasps> we're going to learn about the body of Christ. <laughs> because theology basically talks about divinity. So I was like, mm, we're going to learn about the divinity of Christ's body. Wow, that would be interesting. We enter the class and they start talking about sexuality and all that. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I never I ever knew. This. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, why are you talking about sexuality in Christian, you know, literature? Mm. So that was when I got to know that, okay, Pope John Paul was trying to link how sacred our bodies mm. are. Just like how the, uh, the Bible says that our bodies are the temple of God, regardless. So that was what he was trying to say. We should understand our human nature and when we understand our human nature, we know how special it is. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a good knowledge. Then as a professor sister, there was another time they were like, all professed, temporary professed are going to have a seminar on theology of the body. Then we are like, oh, we've had that already, <laughs> you know. Then we go there again and we get another perspective, a more richer one than what we, and even with that, it's like they are even teaching us more on how to relate with people, whether of the opposite sex or of the same sex and all that. And I'm like, wow, this mm. is rich. So it has really helped my religious life. It has made me understand that we, we, we have control over who we are, what God wants us to become, or who God wants us to become. And sometimes our mission is never known until we die. But that doesn't mean that we are not fulfilling certain missions, okay? So that's basically, like, enriched my experience as a religious. And it has helped me live a good life so far, even though I'm still stubborn. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Mm. Yeah. Um, can you talk about um, what it's like to build build like friendships with other people um like as a, as a sister and if there's mm. like if if like the difficulties of it too because yeah. you're not able to just like go out whenever yeah. with whoever yeah. all the time like yeah. all those different things yeah. um but i mean i'm lucky i get to be your friend and we come across our paths cross a lot in the sushi line at mass um so yeah can you talk about that yes so my life as a religious and having friends or relating with others it's it's been enriching and enlightening because i get to learn more i get to know more I, initially, I was thinking I've, I've seen it all, you know, what? like I've seen it all, mm. oh, you know, yeah. mm. thinking maybe college has given me enough experience to say, oh, I know how people behave, but no, religious life has really taught me a lot because when you're religious, people relate with you differently. And when you're not a religious, people relate with you differently. So it also affects the quality of friendship and affecting it is not negative, but like I'm talking about affecting it as in it change or has much influence mm. on the quality of friendship you should have with somebody. Mm. So sometimes I'm always like, okay, be careful you don't say this. Be careful you don't do that. And I'm like, mm. and upon a second thought, 
why should I be careful I don't do this? Why should I be careful I don't do that? If it is right. So I try to study people. That's how sometimes I relate. So uh, because for me, I come full. Like when you become my friend, once you become my friend today, <laughs> it's like I, I don't even know if we, we knew each other for 100 years or whatever, you know. Once you open up and you want me to be your friend, I, I give you my all. Mm. So sometimes I, I tend to get feedbacks like, oh, you're a nice person. Yeah, and sometimes the opposite sex also take it differently. Oh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, she likes me. I'm like, uh. huh? <laughs> I don't like you. It's, it's not that like, I'm sexually attracted to you, but I just want to be a nice person. I don't want mm. you to leave because I was rude. I didn't want to smile at anything you said and do, you know. So, and naturally, I'm always smiling until I get into trouble and you see me smiling. <laughs> so, mm. that that is basically it. So, the, my life with others has been really affected because as a religious, there are certain boundaries you can cross. And as you said... Like certain times of the day, you can't go out, you can't do this. You have to always remain in the community with the sisters. You have to pray at this time. So sometimes when you're a student, and now I'm back to the life of a student as a religious, trust me, it's not easy. Because if I compare the life of a student, of, of a student when I was in college and not being a religious, so now being a religious and in college, I'm like, in the tertiary, I'm like, ooh, it's a big task. Mm. Because everywhere you go, people want you to project yourself as who you are. So you're a sister, you have to behave like a sister. Mm. So somebody steps on your toe and you, you can't just flare up in public. You just have to be prudent about it. Mm. Then you go crying in your room <laughs> for not reacting, oh. you know. <laughs> Which hardly happens, yeah. But it, it's it's rich. It's rich, yeah. And people want to avoid you because you're a sister. And they will want to avoid you because you're a sister because they don't want to say things that will offend you. Mm. Maybe use, like, vowel, like, words that are abusive or something, you know. But trust me, it's it's easier knowing somebody than not knowing the person at all mm. yeah so that's it that's all I have well all my friends love you I talk yeah. about you like, oh, I want to meet sister like I saw her I didn't know if I should go up to her or not because I don't know if she like some of my friends are like I don't know if I should go up to her because like I don't know if she'd think it's weird because I don't know who she is she but is. Mm-hmm. or I know who she is but she doesn't she know who me. I am she doesn't know that I know who she tell is tell them your story <laughs> yeah we didn't like, know each other yeah I think it was just one day in the church, right, after Mass? Yeah. When you said hello, and we've been friends. Yeah. yeah. I forget, I went up to you and I said, yeah. um, what did I say? <laughs> I, can't, I remember I got your number. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, I, in fact, I don't really remember what we talked about, but I, I remember when, you, like, after Mass, you, you said hello, I also said hello, and we were like, oh, I remember you telling me you know Sister Fides. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. I was like, oh, yeah, I live in the same house with her. And by then, I think she had left. So she was something. gone. Yeah. And that was yeah. it, the beginning of the friendship. So it doesn't take too long to make friends. Trust me. Mm. No. It depends on what you think your friendship should be. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't take long. That's why the best things I always tell myself is greeting. To greet somebody is the easiest way to become friends. Mm. Just say hello. One day, two days, three days, and that is it. You've yeah. made your friend. You've made your friend there and there because the person gets to know the consistency. And it's like, well, oh, this person is nice. This person will be a good friend, you know, mm. checking up on me, saying hello when I don't even care. Mm. And that is it. Friendship shouldn't take too long. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I think 
a lot of a lot of people now are like uncomfortable to do that to just go up and say hello yeah kind of like how but when you're a kid you don't really care like you're on the playground you're like hey want to be my friend and then immediately a friend like one of my really good friends lucy we became friends Mm -hmm. in second grade and it was literally on during recess Mm -hmm. on the playground and we started this buddy chain thing but we would just like link arms and it was like the buddy chain and like that's literally how we became friends um so like little kids aren't aren't afraid they're like it's easy to make friends you just go up to someone like want me friends okay Mm -hmm. let's go Go, you know play tag um but nowadays people are just even just afraid to greet each other it's like you immediately go on your phone to pretend that you don't see the other person um people don't even say hi to each other like walking Mm -hmm. to class but I mean, we're all, like, we're all guilty guilty of it. Yeah. Like, you know, just wanted to, you know, be on our own or just, like, get to the next thing, thing or whatever. Yeah. So something that, like, like we all need to work on. Mm-hmm. But, like, the first thing you could do is just get off your phone. <laughs> you know, say hi. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, yeah, I was just wondering. I thought that was, like, interesting what you were saying. Um that there are, like, certain boundaries that you need to put up, like, mm-hmm. as a sister. But even if you're not someone that's in the religious life, mm-hmm. like, with people of the opposite, like, for me, for guys, like, yeah. people of the opposite sex, like, there are certain boundaries that you need to put yeah. up. Because some people are going to be like, oh, well, because she's, you know, she's being nice and asking me mm-hmm. questions, like, oh, she likes me, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So, it's... Like, I, like, even need to think about that, too, because I tend to be an oversharer and, like, to tell everybody everything. Um, so, yeah, that's something I've I've realized. It really wasn't until I've, like, matured a little bit and mm-hmm. until this, this year I was like, okay, like, yeah, you could do that with, like, your girlfriends Depends, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, and that was a good piece of advice you gave me the other day was, like, you can't tell everybody everything mm-hmm. hoping for good advice from everyone because mm-hmm. not everyone's going to give you good advice mm-hmm. so there's some things that you can go to for your spiritual director or priest and then other things you can go to to your mom your sisters your friend like your good friends and there's some things that you you can't just go to a stranger for and yeah. ask for advice um and you could talk about the situation that you're in, mm-hmm. but there's no need to go into deep detail for some mm-hmm. sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Like what we were talking about the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like go around and tell everybody really? like, oh, yeah. this is what I'm struggling Absolutely. with. Please help me out. Yeah. Because it could be even worse than the advice that they give. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we could just take a little look through some of the advice you gave me. I really liked the first... <laughs> I actually liked all of it. That's why I wrote it down. Um, but you said, learn the psychology of men, which I thought was interesting. So -hmm. that's through books or through your other guy friends and then learn from your dad. Yeah. Very Um, important. Yeah. And so learning, learning through, doesn't necessarily have to be through dating somebody, but Mm -hmm. just learning through your other guy friends or, you know, Mm -hmm like, the books that you're reading, so that you know what, like, how how they kind of handle situations Situations, and stuff, so, because women respond differently. So, if you could describe a little bit more. Okay. So, with the psychology of men, okay, sometimes men do not love to be controlled. That's one of the first things, okay? So, when they get women who are control freak let me say you know <laughs> everything freak. yeah everything's just like can we do this can you just do this can you just pick it up oh my god you would start losing him immediately especially mm. when you're in a relationship he he will get angry he wouldn't have to show he wouldn't want to show it because he doesn't want to offend you but he will gradually start redrawing and by the time you realize he has redrawn, it will be too late to mm. say, I'm like, I'm going to quit that habit. And men are not fond of telling women, like, I don't like this. Mm. I don't like what you're doing. 
you know, they will politely withdraw gradually instead of telling you in the face. They only would own up and tell you straight in the face when they've had enough and they know they are, they've completely withdrawn. That's the day you get to know that mm. he's not coming back. <laughs> he's not coming back. Not even as a friend. Or even if he was a friend, he's not coming back as your friend again. You know, you just see you and say hello and go away. So the psychology of men must be known by most women. If you can, it, it's very helpful. And it's not that because you know the psychology of men, everything you'll be like, ah, I know you do it. No, I'm not talking about that. But it gives you an added advantage under your sleeves so that when he acts in a particular way, you go reach out for one and be like, oh, okay, so how can I react to this or respond to this? I think the best is to respond to his actions rather than to react to it. So, for instance, I was telling Julie, for instance, dates, like birthday, anniversaries, whatever event date. Oh, you don't me, remember? Most men will not remember. <laughs> it's just a handful that will remember. Even with that, they'll remember but wouldn't even want to, they don't even know what to do for the <laughs> event, you know? So they'll start asking friends or asking you, what do you want? Then you should know that he's clueless. He doesn't even know what to do for you. Like your anniversary. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> he, he wouldn't know what to do. So he would just ask you, what do you want? Mm. You know? Unlike women where we don't even ask what you want and we start planning something, you know? And at the end of the day, you'd like it. Mm. Somehow you would like it. But maybe if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I've done something, you know? But men are not like that. So it's good, especially for those who are entering relationships or are into relationships, to really understand some aspect of men. And trust me, men are similar all over the world. Similar, I mean similar. When we come to the colleges or the universities or wherever, just study men and study women. Women somehow tend to differ one in a, once in a while, depending on the environment. But men are mostly, they behave the same. Whatever environment you put them. Put them in a room, whether black, whether white, whether green, whether yellow. Trust me. By the time you come back, they've messed up the place together. <laughs> I am they telling you. The yes, they will trudge the whole place. And when you... When at the end of the day, you ask them, what's the name of the friend you were living with? He's like, buddy. Buddy. Yeah, My like, dad buddy. calls all his friends buddy. Yeah, he doesn't remember the name. <laughs> That's one secret. So it's like, they relate with each other. They have no role plays, you know. It takes only a handful of men to say, hey, can we do this formally? Can we do this? It's hardly, hardly would you see men doing things officially they just do try and error mm. and they get along they quarrel they are back together mm. so you always be a third party when you come and you see men fighting and you're like oh, they will not <laughs> talk to each other again forget it tomorrow you see the other one in the other one's room or doing something together mm-hmm. you know so men are completely different they are physical in nature and it's very important to know that the psychology of men is way different from that of women. So what a woman... So I was telling Julie about this, the cat and dog scenario. So women are like dogs, okay? We bark. We bark at everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything we see, we are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but for the man, he's like a cat. He, he hardly does a meow sound. So he, see, he sees you barking and he's like, oh my God. Then he turns his tail back facing you and his face facing the opposite direction first he was facing you but once he starts backing he's like oh you're making noise then mm-hmm. he turns around so sometimes that's how men are and it's funny if if you get to know men i remember with my brothers because they were little i was beating them but today trust me with even the age gap i'm weak when it comes to throwing feasts because i remember one day i had a heated argument with one of them and 
he nearly beat me to to death. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I realized now my brothers are now old. You know, mm. regardless of the age, they have the power, the strength, more strength than we do sometimes to throw the feast, even though their lifespan is a bit shorter than ours. Yeah. And learning from your dad is a very big experience. And I always am happy for those who still have good connections with their dads. And may parents, especially dads that have passed away, rest in peace as well. But if you have a male figure in your family, let me put it that way, so that it covers those who, whose parents are not together or dads are deceased. If you have a male figure in your family, it's very important you learn from them. Mm. Because they almost are a replica of who men really are. Mm. The way they behave, most men will behave the same way. If you find differences, it's because of maybe certain little traits, trainings that their parents gave them. So if you see a man cooking, it's because maybe in his home, his mom made him cook. Mm. But naturally, men hardly cook. So it's it's just those little, little things that you see different. But when the way they relate with human beings are almost the same. Mm. So any male figure in your family or in your life gives you a richer experience to know to know who you are dealing with and how to deal with the person. And mm. it gives you more, like, you, you get to know more and you learn more. So your marriages become more richer. You are able to forgive more than hold back. You know, you let go, forgive, than to hold back mm. and be unforgiven as well. Mm. And I think that, that that is a good thing to have. So mm. that was why I said, learn from your dad. Mm. Yeah. And then your next piece of advice was mm -hmm. learning from your mom. Yes. And how she responds to your dad. Dad, yeah. So mom, the richest. Because we are all females, you know. Sometimes there's this, I don't know if here we have that adage that goes that Sometimes it's like the girl and her mom are fighting over the same man. Have you ever heard that? No. So sometimes that's what they say, especially <laughs> like, some part, like some of our friends or maybe your mom's friend in Ghana. Sometimes when they see you quarreling with your mom, they'll be like, are you fighting over your mom's husband? That's like your father or, mm. yeah. And it's basically to tell you that you are behaving the same way as your mother is behaving. You know? Your mom is telling you, don't do it. And you're doing mm. it. You mm. know? And she, she's just like an example, a reflection of yourself. And mm. before a mother tells you, don't do something, always have in mind that she has been there before. And I will give a story. I will be brief as possible. It's about my mom. I never knew my mom wanted to be a religious I never oh, knew. Wow. I had no idea until recent times when I became a religious, then she started narrating her stories and everything. So it started making me understand what she was doing back then. Sometimes, like, I don't want to visit the sisters when I come back from holidays because I, ha I had not told her my intention that I will no more become a religious. So sometimes she'll be like, oh, won't you go and visit the sisters? And I'm like, oh, I have too much... I'm so tired. I want to just enjoy my holiday and go back to school. So when all these started coming up, I was like, oh, okay. So my mom once wanted to be a religious. So that's why she has so much knowledge also about becoming a religious. And when I became a religious, I went home for my Thanksgiving. And I remember in the house, I would put on like the irregular cloth, clothing. Then my mom was like, why are you wearing regular clothing? Where's your habit? I'm like, in my own mother's house, I should wear my habit. And then she's mm. like, is that not what your sisters wear? And I'm like, oh God, no way. Mm. You know, 
all these, I was like, mm. my mom is watching out for me. Mm. She's just concerned. She just doesn't want you to be in trouble. And it's all about life experience. You know, even if she ha she's not a religious today, she knows how it felt for others who disobeyed certain rules and how they were punished because she saw it. Mm. But just that she couldn't make it to become a sister. So I was like, yeah, it's good you learn from your mothers. And sometimes we will always say, oh, your error and our error aren't the same. But trust me, as I said, we can't have excuse for lack of knowledge. Humans are humans. I don't think God is creating another set of human beings. We are creating another set of lifestyle mm. as humans. So once we are born with the intellect God gave us, we make things to suit certain environments. I don't think back then there was washing machine. Who invented the washing machine and for what purpose? It's because of schedules somehow and to make life a bit more comfortable so that the busy ones could also have clothing at the end of the day. You wouldn't want to be throwing your clothes away because you are so busy you couldn't wash. Mm. You toss them into the washing machine, it gives you back something good. You wear and you're continuing your life. You don't. So if our parents back then were washing with their hands, it's not so different from what the washing machine does. And even till today, some, some things need to be hand-washed. So if sometimes we say, oh, your era is different from our era, it doesn't really match up as we think. Mm. It, it, the era being different is just the advancement in technology. How simpler our lives have become than theirs, but not the experiences of life. Mm. So, and our moms are the best, especially for those of us who want to get married. And trust me, if you learn from your mom, and I'm so happy for those who have their parents together. If you learn from your mom, it's the richest experience you can ever implement in your marriage life. Mm. Nothing will even move you. You also become like a cat in your marriage. Like a cat? Yeah. <laughs> You become like a car. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, your husband is, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you are also like calm, mm. relaxed, you know. And your husband loves you more because he sees the kind of woman in his home. He sees that you're not the type who would nag, but would do. And with time, he will learn to change. Mm. Because he has seen that you, you, you don't get, like, you, you don't match up his energy. You know, you are just a calm person. So whatever level he has gotten to, he comes down mm. to that level. So to your level, sorry. So our moms are good examples mm. to learn from. Yeah. That's interesting you mm -hmm. say about the two different eras. And that's yeah. why a lot of, especially teenagers, don't want to listen to their parents. Because they're like, well, you don't get it because you don't live in the in time period time, that I yeah. live in. But it's really not that big of a difference, and it no, doesn't no, no. matter as much. No. Because for me, I, I see technology being the reason why we have an error, mm -hmm. but not the experience. Mm -hmm. Trust me. Why do we still have books written in the 90s still reflected and being updated? Something like, um, let's say, human psychology. Why are people still studying psychology in psychological works that were done so many years ago because the human life never changes and I don't think we have a different way of getting pregnant no it's the fusion of the egg and the um, like the sperm that makes a human being I don't think you can put the egg separate and sperm separate and they will all produce human beings mm. for you Definitely, there should be a reaction. So nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is now technology has made it in such a way that you don't need to mate in order to make babies. They can get your uh, eggs, you, they can get your sperm, put it together, and you're good to go. 
and even infuse it back into your body. That is technology. So if we tell ourselves our parents lived in an old era and now we are living in a new era, we get it all wrong. Mm. We're talking about experience. We're not talking about what technology has turned us into. We're talking about experience for life. Experience that will make us know and own responsibility for every single action we take. Mm. Sometimes our parents could be overreacting. Yes, I understand. Because of maybe the different personalities we are. Maybe I'm a sanguine, my mom is a choleric, you know, or I am melancholic, my mom is a sanguine. All these things can make a difference. But it doesn't stop you from saying, my mom has said something, let me listen to her. Why don't you give it a try? If it doesn't work out, you know what to do the next time. But once you start rebutting, like she says something and you're like, oh, mom, your error is not our error. You go, you sink, you come back. Mm. And that is the worst part. She can embrace you, but the quality of life, the quality of friendship with your mom gets lost. You know, she's unable to even give you suggestions anymore because she, she feels my daughter thinks she's now old. I gave her an advice. She didn't take it. So now she's back. Let me just let her relax. Mm. Mm. Let's just look at how men behave. They said if a man will treat his wife well, look at how he treats his mom. Facts. So, if a woman (laughs) will also treat her husband well, I think the same applies. Look at how she treats her her dad. Mm. But sometimes, too, how she treats her mom will also be how she will treat you. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mm. if she's treating her mom badly and you, the husband, cannot help her, or her, her boyfriend, you cannot help her to treat her mom nicely, know that you also get your turn. Mm. she will treat you the same way she'll mm. be sh- yelling, shouting all over the place you know. Mm. so sometimes it's very good and a simple mathematics mm. just study what your parents do that goes back to the what you said at the very beginning with there's no excuse for lack of, lack knowledge. of knowledge like we have yeah. our parents that we can we can learn from yeah yeah, and some people would say our parents are no more together now, like I'm homeless, I'm an orphan, I'm this. But hey, we have people. Mm. Definitely somebody is a caregiver in your life, it's a guardian. You think the person will take care of you without having knowledge? And I don't think we are always at the wrong places in life, trust me. If I am an orphan, it doesn't mean I'm at a disadvantage. There are so many orphans who have made it in life, with or without people. And with little help or no help at all, you know. But that never degraded their standard. They have become people useful in society. Mm. And we have people equally who have also become, excuse me to use this word for lack of a better word useless in society but how many are they you get it so it depends on how we want to define life and how we want to perceive ourselves as i said one of the motivations back then in college was what standards do i want to create for myself Mm. what really do i want for my life that was a turning point when I realized my family is no more going to be the one to say, wake up, study, make the grades. Your mom wouldn't know or your dad wouldn't know what grades you're making until your graduation day. You know, and you can deceive You're like, them. shoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1.0. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, you know, once you enter college, it's be, it, it looks like you're, you have become an adult. So sometimes it's difficult for your parents to tell you certain things. I think they even feel it. They're like, 
Should I tell my daughter, give me your results, let me look at it? Mm. You know, sometimes it gets difficult to say yeah. that. Yeah. Until you give it to them, it's difficult for them to say, hey, can I see your grades? It's difficult. They can ask you, oh, I hope you made good grades. Mm. But it's difficult for them to say, give me your grades. Because I don't remember my mom really asking for my grades, other yeah, than saying, did you make good grades? So when at the end of the year, she, the years she knew that I was graduating with a, a like a second class upper, which I almost made a first class. Wow. She was like, oh, at least my daughter, when she was on her own, she was able to take charge of her life and mm-hmm. she made it. So we have to learn from people, mm-hmm. people who are influential in our lives, not people who give us distorted attention or distorted information information can be distorted a lot especially so it ends up becoming like you don't even know the right information from the wrong one Mm. you implement any and you're in trouble Mm. you know Mm. so that's it well i think that it's a good way to end it because we just like tied it right back to the advice at the very beginning but um would you, what would you say is some, I guess, just last piece of advice you can give to me yeah. um, being done with college next few weeks and yeah. then going off into, I'll be the um, working at the pregnancy center and mm-hmm. living at home and all this stuff. So yeah. I guess like what's just like something you can send me off with? Yeah. So something to sign off with and um, to you and to many who would listen to this. I would say, first, as you step out there, know it's not on silver platter. Trust me. Getting a good job, living a good life, comes with so much investment. Investment, whether money-wise or lifestyle. What you put in, is it's like garbage in, garbage out. So whatever you put in, Know that that's what you rip. Trust me, you can't put the seedlings of um, maybe banana into the soil and at the end of the day be expecting apples or mangoes. It won't work. So know that you have finished college. This is the kind of profession you want who has been successful in that profession? How did they make it? What is the story mm. behind kneeling it? Mm. And you know that this is what you are in for. There is no turning back. Once you're going, you're going. Once you're retro- redrawing, you know that when you redraw, it also comes with a cost. Mm. So, one, learn more about your field as you move out there, get to know the stories of the people who have succeeded in your field because definitely we are not the first person to be in the field we have chosen or the privileges we have gotten in life. We might not get the, people might not get the same privilege as we have, but trust me, they have similar privileges. Mm. Some people are world class. Some people have become celebrated personalities. Just within a twinkle of an eye. It doesn't mean we are not also celebrated personalities. Because if you want to take statistics of those who really admire you and have not come to you, you marvel. You will want to start turning on a new leaf. You'll be like, I'm not the best. Let me change. Let me change real quick. Mm. So it's Learn more about your profession. And if you know what you really want in life, if it's to get married or live a single life or be a career person, you have to also learn more. Mm. If it is marriage, know what kind of woman you want to become. Mm. So I think people are learning to live the life that God has ordained. We are all learning. 
really learning but because of the minority who come out and I'm not saying they're making noise but like try to convince people why the right thing shouldn't be done or why they see something not being right and this right it's it's confusing people it's it's really confusing mm. but people would love to choose life over death mm. if not thanks to the foreign drugs now like drugs that has been manufactured in the laboratory that eases pain of death you know that you could take the drug and you know that oh within this couple of days i'll be going so like you're going slowly you know you have your family all around you and you can't struggle with it trust me to die is not easy you struggle to die I have seen it once. Somebody struggling just to die. You know? That's why sometimes after struggling, some of them you see a deformed face. Some either their eyes are still open or their mouth is opened or their hands are somehow because they were struggling with life. Mm. So I don't think it's easy to say I'm choosing death over life. Mm. I don't think it would be that easy. But the crowding of the mind makes it impossible to decide and to discern properly. So I, I wish we could have a, a system in this world where there is more room for people to just willingly say, I need help, you know, rather than being criticized. Somebody might be doing something because of the influence of another. And that person could easily be helped. But there is no way. Mm. There is no chance. There is nothing. Like, you know, there's basically nothing we can do about that. Mm. And that hurts a lot. I, I was telling myself I'll be a terrible counselor. So You'd be I, a I great counselor. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. Yeah. Because I, I said, you see, when um, I was talking with you, I went back home, I sent you a message, and I was like, it's easier said than done. Mm. You know, we, we have a lot of ideas. But it's easier said or written down than taking action for it. Mm. And for me, I have owned up to say to myself, I think I am good at uh, bringing out ideas. And I am not 100% a failure when it comes to implementing. Mm -hmm. I could implement, but I am not so good at implementing ideas. I easily give up. Once I start implementing and somebody gives a slight comment, it makes me give up. But a good implementer does not care. Mm. Somebody who wants to implement a good idea doesn't mind the backlash, doesn't mind the critics, especially the unconstructive criticisms that come from people. They don't mind. Mm. They go for it. But we, the bad ones, are those who, at the little sound of a coin, like we are like, mm. <laughs> let me stop. Let me just stop. Let me just stop. Mm. Right there. So I always want to have people who are good in implementing ideas. Then I'm like, okay, can we do this? Can we do it this way? Can we do it that way? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 it will help us. Mm. And we're all good to go. So, in fact, we need Jesus. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we really need Jesus. We are good to go. Mm. Alrighty. Yeah. Well, I think the last part of it was cut off for the last one, so mm -hmm. we're just going to end it here, and then yeah. I'll put it together somehow. But yeah, um, I didn't even realize it went by an hour. It did not feel like that went by super fast, mm -hmm. but yeah, thanks again for hopping on. Um, yeah. It's breakfast time, yeah. because it, the dining hall <laughs> didn't open until 9.30, so that's why we're, mm -hmm. we're going to head out. But um, you always give me like great advice. And it's always back when I go reflect on it and write it down. I'm like, but yeah, I'm kind of a similar way where 
I can come up with good ideas, yes, but yes. I need to implement them myself. <laughs> I can't just be like, everyone, go do this, and our society is going to be better. Yeah, better. It's like, okay, uh-huh. Julie, you got to work on yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we all, like, that's just about, mm-hmm. we're human. Like, yeah. that's, we all need to work and on And I, I think we will definitely have somebody who could implement it for us. That's why I said, sometimes it's good to make friends. You know, you, you just don't know who will walk into your life one day and change everything about you. Mm. You yeah. just wouldn't know. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me. I, I you think to... you have the best of friend until yeah. you move out of a cycle or you see somebody who gives a different perspective and you know mm. that, huh, I could have multiple friends. Yeah. 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 There, there was a priest I spoke with once and mm-hmm. he was like, I told him, how, how am I supposed to go, you know, make make new friends with this different lifestyle that I want to live yeah. and stuff. Environment where not everyone wants to live that way. And he he said, Julie, don't worry. God's preparing souls for you right now. Yeah. And that's so true with whatever new environment that we're heading into. Mm-hmm. Even for me, just moving home now. God's like, don't worry, Julie. I have people prepared for you. I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has promised that he will do it. Mm-hmm. He has promised, and he will do it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you didn't come into the world on your own accord. And I don't think you serve a God that will fail you. Because he knows once he fails you, he has failed himself. Because he is your image. Whatever you are is a true reflection of what God is. Mm. Whether good or bad. God does no wrong. I know. He does no wrong. But he doesn't disown you for doing the wrong thing. No. Mm. He knows we are capable of both right and wrong. But he is always waiting to see how willing you are to just say he is still in charge. Mm. That's all. Mm. Alrighty, well, we're going to end on a mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, thank you so much, sister. You're welcome.